It's time for JT the Brick. The years are ticking off, JT. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you're playing. You know, you've got to show up and you've got to play at the highest level. You're not going to win in this league. JT the Brick. Hey, Raider Nation, let that sink in. Since 2018, he has 25 interceptions. Raider fans go crazy around here when a guy gets two for the entire season. Anytime, JT, and uh, hi to all my uh, Raider fans out there. And go Raiders. And now... Here's JT the Brick. Yes, that's the Tom Flores Open. We're always thinking of Coach Flores, who we have on and we'll have on again. Coming up here, it's alumni weekend as the Raiders have well over 200 alumni in town. And if you're going to the game, you'll see them. So head on out to the game. I think that's going to be a real cool moment. I'm happy to be a part of it in a small way. Uh, To see this up close is going to be pretty spectacular. I can guarantee you this. You'll never see this group again ever together like this. It's just, you know, guys are getting older. Guys can't make it. Some guys are here. Pete Banizak's in town. You know, look at the legends who are here. Marcus Allen, Jim Plunkett, Fred Bolitnikoff, Phil Villapiano, Art Shell. You go down the list. These are your guys. So head on out to the game on Friday. Stay in your seats if you can for halftime and just be a part of it. And, and you'll see them around the stadium and around town here. So exciting time here as Mark Davis is trying to win a WNBA championship with the Aces, and he's entertaining and hosting a couple of hundred former players. So big, big weekend here in Vegas. Tell you, Vegas can pull this off. Other cities can't. Vegas can pull this off because Vegas has luxury hotels, entertainment. You you can bring a bunch of people into the city, and we can handle it. That's why we're going to be the home of the Final Four. Big boxing, UFC, all that. It is an entertainment capital. Wow, I'm looking at the NFL news And I'll get to that. The Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones was on first take this morning uh, trying to be positive here. Uh, Tyron Smith injured himself, one of the best offensive linemen, eight-time Pro Bowler. Looks like he's done for the season. Uh, Their star left tackle will be gone for months. Earliest he could come back is December, Jerry Jones said, for the playoffs. And that's the type of player that can knock you out of the playoffs. Losing him. So he got hurt at the stadium in practice. Remember what we're talking about, everybody. You want a bubble wrap? This is one of the greatest players to play his position. Literally, Hall of Fame type guy. I don't know what type of shape he's in, but he tears his hamstring. It's a preseason injury. Could it, could it have happened in the regular season? Sure. Sure. Regular season, he's going harder than he would in the preseason, and that's what happens there. So the Cowboys in big trouble. Tom Brady is expected to play in the Bucks preseason finale. Man. I mean, look at the look at the players. Josh Allen is playing. Josh Allen is playing. Patrick Mahomes has played. And Tom Brady is expected to play in the third and final preseason game against the Colts. I don't think Derek Carr should play. I don't expect him to play. It would be shocking if he did, but Coach Todd Bowles didn't say it outright when asked Thursday, but he responded, everyone who's healthy will play. Whoa. Everyone who's healthy We'll play. Brady returned this week from an 11-day absence to tend to personal issues. And there were some people there who were really dumb. And I'll be, I'll be the dumbest of all if it turns out he was on The Masked Singer. I mean, I deserve to get raked and trolled. If Brady was actually on that garbage television show, garbage, and left his team for that, that to me would be the biggest lack of professional moment in sports history. History! If you would go on that garbage show, 
Not go on a top show. Hey, I'm going to film Seinfeld back in the day. I'm going to go on MASH in the 70s. I'll be gone for a couple days. Can you imagine the mass Singer? And there's a lot of people that believe it. But he, he went on vacation. And he also becomes the first 45-year-old future Hall of Famer to leave his team in camp and go on vacation. I mean, you can't do that when you're 23. They won't let you do it at 30. But I guess you could do it at 45. So that's a big storyline there. And some other news that's all about injuries. There's a couple of quarterback battles. Mitchell Trubisky is going up against Pickett in Pittsburgh. That's a big deal. Uh, Lamar Jackson still doesn't have a contract. That's super big because they don't get the contract done. He's going to be a free agent. Now, they can franchise tag him, and they probably would, but that is a huge storyline, huge storyline as we move forward. So a lot of good times with the Raiders, man. I thought camp was pretty good. Knock on wood, knock on wood. No catastrophic injuries in camp. Don't know what's going to happen at the game on Friday night, tomorrow night. Not expecting much. Everybody go home, relax, and get ready for the Chargers. But there's some players who are still competing for a job. Final final wide receiver job. Final situation we're going to see with, um, with the running back room and what's going to happen on the offensive line. And we're looking for your Leatherwood responses. What would you do with Alex Leatherwood by Monday? Trade him. Cut him, move him down in the depth chart, start him at right tack, uh, right guard. Those are your choices. Jared in Vegas. Jared, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Thanks, Brick. Love the show. Listen to you every day. Thank you. Appreciate I that. To start, yeah, I wanted to start by saying um, I am a, a transplant to Vegas, as so many of us are. Been here for about eight months now, and it is hard. It is hard. I thought I could make this transition be no problem. Mm-hmm. Came out here for my wife's job, and I'm getting my teeth kicked in. So I can see how it might be a difficult transition for Leatherwood. But I hope that we do the uncommon thing. And I don't mm-hmm. know, it's not uncommon for our organization to be loyal. But like you said, this, this group doesn't mm-hmm. have to be loyal to Alex. But I hope they do. He's put in the work. He's trying. He's doing his best. We, we can all appreciate that. I feel like this game, this week one, could set up to be something that could make him or break him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Waller is going to be ready the way we expect him to be playing midseason. So I think run game is huge. Right. I think we could use him, whether it's at guard or at tackle, you know what, mm-hmm. and just put Joey B on his freaking ass and do it all day and let Alex build that confidence. Because Alex can maul him. Alex mm. can absolutely maul that trash-talking mother effer, and I want to see it. I well, hope we stay loyal. Yeah, and that's all I, I appreciate say. the call. Bosa's a much better player than Leatherwood. Bosa is a much better player than anyone who the Raiders are going to put at right tackle at this point, unless someone's walking through that door that I don't know of. So it's going to take a lot, but I think I understand what they're going to do, and they're going to chip they're going to leave a tight end in and have a running back or a fullback block and do that. And and that that's fine, whatever they want to do. Devontae's going to demand the double team. Uh, hopefully Waller's ready to go week one. I'd be shocked if Waller wasn't ready to go. I mean, come on, the guy hasn't been around much. He's been in all the meetings and getting the work done and the treatment done, but he hasn't practiced much. He's got to be ready. He's got plenty of time off, plenty of time before the start of the season. And then Renfro looks great. Renfro looks amazing. So we're taking your calls for the next 10 minutes on Leatherwood. This is it. Monday's a different show. I'm coming in tomorrow. He's going to be on the team. Monday he might not be. I think he will. 
But I was wrong about Demarcus Robinson. I was wrong about Kenyon Drake. If I'm wrong on Leatherwood, guess what? Nobody will care. <laughs> no one will say anything to me, Vinny Bonsignor, Q, or whatever. We don't put the roster together. We react to the roster. And we got plenty of time before that Charger game to react to it. I want to hear from you ahead of it because I want to put you on the spot. want to let you play Radio GM, 702-365-9200. What do you do with Leatherwood? Mitch in New Jersey. Go ahead, Mitch. Thanks for waiting. How doing, JT? Uh, good show. Um, I think you got to keep him. I mean, he didn't play well, mm-hmm. but he didn't play so bad. And you shouldn't show your hand in your cards right now. You're not going to get much for him. And one more thing, um, I guess the, the backup quarterbacks, it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Gabriel's made the team and started uh, Stickham. Yeah. The guy that we trade from New England. Yeah, Stidham's going to be the quarterback. Uh, he's the backup quarterback going forward. And I think he's really good. I, I think he's more of a game manager than Mullen. Nick Mullins, I thought, was a guy that could, if you're down 10 points and Carr's out of the game, he can win it for you. Uh, Stidham, I don't know if he can yet. I'm rooting for him to do it. He's the backup, and he'll have an opportunity, but he knows the verbiage. He clearly understands what he has to do with this offensive line protection. I think the important thing when we look at Josh McDaniels is the protection. What type of protection are you going to use in certain situations? Well, Jared Stidham knows that as good as Derek Carr. Knows that as good as Derek Carr because he's been in the system for a while. So that's going to be very interesting to see going forward. I hope we don't see him much. Maybe Carr's winning in a blowout and we're up by 21 and they take him out of the game for Stidham. If Carr gets dinged during a game, concussed, or something happens like that, very confident Stidham can come in and get the job done. Uh, Also, Josh McDaniels talked about Mumford and Parker and the injuries and what's happening with the Luminor, you know, the role play, the depth of the offensive line going into this final game. Jermaine is, you know, uh, Jermaine's been out there every day and battling, and we played him at multiple spots, which, again, the more you can do, the more value you might provide. You know, he knows that. Uh, so he's played a guard, tackle both sides, um, which is is a unique skill, you know, for Jermaine and, and uh, really been a dependable guy, um, you know, like I said. Gives great effort out there every day. Um, you know, puts him, puts he's put himself in a position here to really factor, you know, on our team and, and play. So, um, you know, excited for what he's what he's been able to do. And um, the other other guys, like I said, they're just working through their stuff. Same thing as the other guys are. Our list is not long. We're 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 fortunate right now. Um, hopeful, like I said, I don't want to put a time frame on anybody because I don't really know. Uh, but I know they're working extremely hard to get back here as soon as possible, and hopefully that will be sooner rather than later. Yep, so those are some of the big stories today. Vinny Bonsignor has the number one story at Pro Football Talk. Reports all options are on the table for Raiders' Alex Leatherwood. That's the lead story at Pro Football Talk. Underneath that, it's Tyron Smith to have surgery on Friday and Tom Brady to start the final preseason game. So those are some of the storylines as we take a look at that today. There's a lot of news out there. In the NFL. A lot of news when it comes to what's going to happen with quarterbacks. I'm surprised more quarterbacks played this preseason than I thought would play. Really surprised by that. Again, nothing that I'm saying I was wrong about. I'm just surprised more of them were able to do it. And how about this for the NBA? Patrick Beverly is a Laker. That trash-talking blankety-blank who's a pain in the ass is now a Laker. How do you Laker fans feel about that? So his defense and his trash talking is great. He's the classic player that got him from the Utah Jazz. Classic player that you'd want on your team and you hate to play against him. And uh, Taylor Horton Tucker is gone. 
and also Stanley Johnson to the Jazz here, but the Lakers get another good depth player. Beverly's good. He'll he'll defend on the perimeter. He'll uh, get out and run. He'll get the ball to LeBron, and he'll do a better job than Westbrook because Beverly won't take a ton of bad shots. He'll take a few, but he will play defense, and that'll fit in a, into Darvin Ham's system here because they got to find a way to play defense on the Lakers. The Lakers got to find a way to play better defense, and he's one of those guys. No doubt about that as we continue on. Man, last Friday I was at Resorts World for our big party. I'm happy to be back there again with my podcast. But we want to remind you my go-to summer new cocktail has been the Botanist Gin. Botanist, hands down, the number one moving gin here in Vegas. It's the fastest growing brand, so it's as simple as a gin and tonic. With the Botanist and a fever tree tonic or a brunch cocktail called Georgia Peach with the Botanist Peach Schnapps. And fresh OJ. Let me think of that. OJ, peach schnapps, and the botanist gin. Sure. We'll try it. Give it a shot. Step up your cocktail game with the botanist gin. All right. What are we taking two Leatherwood calls today? Raider fans on vacation? Apparently. Okay. We'll see if he comes here on Monday. If he is, maybe I'll do that on Monday. A congratulations Leatherwood show. And we'll do that. We'll bring in balloons with his number on it. And maybe get him on the radio. I'm pulling for the kid. I pull for everyone to make this team and have great careers. Alex Leatherwood, his opportunity coming into this game tomorrow. With the 139 to go here in the fourth from the right hash. Ferguson to snap. Morstead to hold. The kick is up. Approaching the upright. And it's no good. He doinked it off the top of the left upright. And the Raiders defense gets a stop and holds on to a 15-13 lead with 134 to go here in the game. Jason Horowitz on the call along with Lincoln Kennedy. JT back with you. Thanks for joining us. On the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio, Merciless Ray Mercer, former heavyweight champ of the world, is in town. He's going to join us in a little bit. Johnny Katz and Levi Edwards. So i got to thread the needle here in 40 minutes and get everybody up here. If you want to call in, 702-365-9200. Joel is in Colorado Springs. Hello, Joel. What's happening today? Hey, JT. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you. Hey, on the on the um, Alex Leatherwood situation, mm-hmm. I think we should move him inside to right guard. Then tell him to, he needs to learn the snap count because I know last season he was mm-hmm. he's the one that caused a lot of offside penalties. So yeah, tell me he needs to learn the, the snap. Well, count. I think he did. I think. Well, hold on. When you say tell him he needs to, I mean that's kind of talking down to him. He. He's worked on that. That hasn't been a problem. That's not a problem now, you would hope. If he jumps offside once, we can live with it. But I get what you're saying. He's a he's a professional football player. He should be better than he was last year. But I agree with you. I think you move him inside. You move him inside, and he can handle his business there better than the outside. I think so, too. Like, And what I was going to say is, you know, if he, if he can't do that, then, then mid-season trade, then see what you can maybe get for him. Well, yeah, that's not going to happen either. I mean, mid-season trades, it's not really mid-season trades. This is a guy that if he makes the roster is taking a roster spot from someone who's probably pretty good and wants to play here. So, again, so you, you, you want to move him inside. You want to keep him on the roster. 
I do, I do, because I think he did. I did. I think he did good at right guard, um, because yeah, because we don't yeah. don't want to take a cap hit. I mean, so see what we can get from the guy, you know, and then just just move him on the inside. Yep, appreciate the call. I, I've always thought that they'd move him on the inside because he's one of those guys that can play multiple positions. When you look at a big, 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 big tackle who played inside. So he played both positions at Alabama. He won the Outland Trophy. Did he win the Outland Trophy at Alabama because he was popular, big, and played for Alabama? No. He won the Outland Trophy because he played on Alabama and he was their best offensive lineman. And they have several in the NFL. And I thought he was a man amongst boys. Whenever I watched an Alabama game over the years, he was just... You could just, he jumped off the stage when he held the national championship trophy. You'd see him and go, oh my God, look at the size of this guy. And then when they showed highlights of him, he was a road grader. And again, I can't remember exactly every specific play that he made at the tackle position, but he played in a lot of big games and the games that were under pressure that were in the college football playoff. So that was really beautiful to see for him. That's why Mike Mayock and John Gruden wanted him. That's why they were looking at him, because they really thought that he was that type of player that would make an easy transition to the NFL. Now, if you remember what was happening at that time, and I do, I'm a Tom Cable guy. I met Coach Cable, know his wife. Coach Cable was a head coach of the Raiders, head coach. And they really thought that he was going to be in a position to come out there and play. He's going to be in a position to come out and play and do something and, and be the type of player who could be potentially a pro bowler in years to come. And that isn't the case. It's not the case now, but I've been doing this and you've been a fan long enough to know that you can develop a player into that position, especially when they're only in their second year. Especially when they're only in their second year. So that's where I stand on this now. I don't know what Dave Ziegler's thinking today. If I saw him today, I might see him tonight at this Raiders function. I don't know. I think they're going to be really busy trying to get this roster down. This is the busiest time. This is the biggest roster cut after the game. But there's a couple of guys that they don't need to see play anymore. They don't need to see play anymore, and they're ready to go, and they're going to make the team. And I am I am excited to see what happens with this final 53 because I'm not looking for any major surprises other than Leatherwood. And if Leatherwood's going to be there, I expected him to be there. Right here in front of me, I have my flip card for the whole season. And I put it together before the start of camp. A lot of guys do. And then we cross names off. We cross names off. And then we say, okay, though that guy's out. Now let's look at a new 53. So I have two cross-offs. Demarcus Robinson, who came over from Kansas City. The wide receiver, who I thought would be you know, the third guy. But then they got Mac Hollins. And I don't want to see Mac Hollins lose any touches he's that good I think he could have that type of impact Hunter Renfro everybody I talk to doesn't think he can get 100 receptions because Devontae's here they're probably right so do do we want to take an extra pass away from him no there's one football there's one football and there's a bunch of potential superstar pro bowlers who are trying to get the football on top of the running backs who are going to get a lot of touches I really think that they're going to run the ball. And they're going to run the ball at a level, at a level that is going to be impressive this year because that's what they did in New England. I wish I could go back. I I raced them all on DVR over the last 10 years, the TiVo before that. But whenever I would 
DBR a Patriot game to, for my national show and fast forward to it, I was always surprised at how many times they ran the ball because it was Brady. And Brady had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez at one point. And they had wide receivers who weren't super famous. And an offensive line, you don't remember anybody who played there. If we had a quiz and we all sat down in a room and I said, name me five, five offensive linemen for the Patriots during their six Super Bowls, you couldn't name three. You couldn't, unless you're a Patriot fan and you're diehard, but everybody here in Vegas couldn't name three. And that's what it's starting to look like here. Starting to look like that here, that you're not supposed to know these guys per se unless you're a diehard fan, but they do their job. Do your job. Bill Belichick's way. You're a backup guard. We're going to move you from right guard to left guard. Do your job. And if you're able to do that, we appreciate that. So we appreciate that, and we want to talk more about that as we get going at 702-365-9200. We're waiting on Ray Mercer, who's going to join us here in a second. Johnny Katz uh, there on the other side. And a reminder to head on down to Resorts World if you're a boxing fan because they got a whole bunch of legendary boxers who are going to be on the property there ready to roll. And it's going to be a big deal. So from Floyd Mayweather to Ray Mercer to Sugar Ray Leonard, to everybody who's going to be in town, you got 240 Raider alumni on one side of town. And on the other side of Resorts World, you have some of the greatest boxers of all time. So with all of that, we are ready to go. Bobby, let's get Johnny Katz up here in a minute as we wait on Ray and we keep going here. I told you how to thread the needle, and we're double booked here, but we got to get the guys up in the scheduled spots that they're supposed to be here as we keep going. So Ray Mercer, we'll try to move him around and get him here in a minute as he is at an event there at Resorts World, uh, Johnny Katz, and Levi Edward, who has his final camp book as he's did a great job. He did an unbelievable job covering training camp. So let's get to the Las Vegas Review-Journal's Johnny Katz, who's kind enough to join us as we get ready to roll out of the gate. I know you were interested, Katz, in my review of Elvis last night. I gave it four stars. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It took me a while to go see it, but it was worth the wait. Four stars. Four bricks. Yes, we do bricks four instead bricks. of four <laughs> bricks. Hey, look, I gave Top Gun Maverick four and a half because it just blew me away. And the only other movies that I have at four and a half or above are Raging Bull, The Godfather 1, and Godfather 2. So I take this very seriously. I got you, man. I agree with you on all of it, um, especially Raging Bull, by the way. I think that's my favorite sports movie ever. Um, but I, I loved Elvis. Uh, it was uh, like the man himself. It was big. It was all over the place. It was epic. And uh, I, uh, I enjoyed the, the – the, it was brazen. I loved the, uh, that it was brazen. It went for it. And that's Baz Luhrmann in a nutshell right there. I, I thought it was a great uh, theatrical experience. I want to talk about this 100-year-old female magician – from the strip i read your column i couldn't believe that you know vegas is a town built on characters and some legendary names tell me about her well her name's gloria day i just left her we just had her 100th birthday party at the westgate at edge restaurant there a whole bunch of of magicians were uh, in the room including david copperfield teller of penn and teller uh ruby kobe uh anna rose a hypnotist magician who found her uh, she, she turned 100 years old, and in 1941, she headlined at El Rancho Vegas, right after El, El Rancho Vegas opened. Mm-hmm. And how this happened, JT, is one of the biggest flukes I've seen in my life. I got a call one night about a year ago uh, from David Copperfield. It was at night. It was late. 
and he says, can you be at Ferraro's? And I said, yeah, what's going on? He goes, you bring something to record with. And I went over there, and there's Anna Rose, a magician hypnotist. There's David Copperfield. And she tells me the story how she had just located the woman who's the first ever headliner in on the strip ever. And I will tell you that um, it was... It's a fluke that she was found. How it happened is Anna Rose was doing some antique shopping. She found a dress that was um, on consignment at a store in downtown Las Vegas. It belonged to this woman. She's The woman who was selling it to her said, oh, by the way, she's a Hollywood actress and a magician from the 40s and 50s. And Anna Rose, being a magician, found her in La- living in Las Vegas. She's lived here since 1980. And Gloria Day. Yeah, she's been retired from entertainment since 1962. She's done some sales. She's worked as a, a, a new car salesman in the San Fernando Valley. She's sold insurance for a time. She moved here with her husband in retirement and has not said a word about her career until about 18 months ago. Wow. And, uh, so she's credited. She, wait, wait, she's credited to be the first headliner in the history of Vegas? She's the first magician to ever perform in Las Vegas. That's her yeah. story. She was in a show at El Rancho that had just started doing shows and it was a variety show and she was the magic act in the show. And that was, and we have, believe me, we've raked through history and trying to find anyone before her who did magic, a woman, mind you, very rare anyway to do magic in those days. She was 19 years old and she was, she did a little dancing and she did um, two sets of magic in the show. That was that's the story, and if you read my column today, we'll have some more of it tomorrow. It's it's a pretty mind blowing story, but Copperfield found her and brought her to his museum and took her around there. She went to his show last year. Wow! Introduced her from the crowd. The place went crazy. The place went crazy when they heard the story at David Copperfield's show, um, and she's still with it. She's still a hundred years old. One hundred today. Yes. Today, Johnny Katz oh, joins yeah. us. Tell me about Eddie Vedder at Dolby Live in October. That I, my phone's blowing up from Pearl Jam fans, but Vedder going off on the side. This is big. I always thought that Eddie would be playing Vegas more, and he's kind of rare here. It's it's kind of random when he comes in, and I know this is breaking the internet. What can you tell us? Well, you know they were supposed Pearl Jam was supposed to play in May uh, for the first time in 16 years at MGM Grand Garden Arena, and uh, they lost their bases came down with COVID two days before the show, and they couldn't do it. So uh, he's coming in now with his solo band and uh, in, in October for a one-off mm-hmm. with his new album. And I'm telling you, this is going to be musically very adventurous. And I'm and people who know the tickets uh, end of this thing say that thing will be uh, will sell out no problem. They aren't even going to make tickets available to the public. It's going to be all in that verified fan uh, operation that Ticketmaster does. So um, yeah, I'm 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 kind of I'm, I have mixed feelings about it because I'd love to see Eddie Vedder do a residency here. I'd love him to, to see him do a series of shows at Dolby Live or anywhere. Uh, I'd like to see more out of him. But um, he's going to do the one show, and uh, and it's musically going to be. I can only tell you, it's supposed to be musically very adventurous. And he, if you've ever seen Pearl Jam or Eddie Vedder at all, he completely sells out. He he completely uh, commits in his shows. So that's that's going to be a highlight of the fall at uh, MGM Grand. John John Katzalamitis joins us. Wrapping this up, you tweeted a lot about Mark Davis bringing in all these Raider alumni. You were brought in to Canton, Ohio for the Cliff Branch party with Diana Ross. And, again, that that was to me like a bucket list to be a part of that. Now this, 
I mean, as I tweeted out today, this just doesn't happen in professional sports, even with generous owners in other sports, NBA, NHL, because of the volume of all the players that have played with the Raiders since 1960. Yeah, what a what a tribute to the the uh, tradition of the Raiders. I have to tell you, you know, in talking to those guys in Canton, I was just reminded of that. I I met um, I saw Ray Chester there, who I'd met before. Uh, you know, Dave Casper was there, Ted Hendricks. Um, these guys who you gr- kind of grew up watching and idolizing on, on uh, you know, the telecast. And I'm really struck by um, what Raymond Chester said, because he split his career with the, uh, with the Colts. Mm-hmm. And he said that, uh, you know, I mentioned that to him. I said, you, you've got two, you know, you're an alum of two teams, though, you know. And he goes, man, when I left the Raiders, it was like being vanquished. When I came back, I was reborn. <laughs> he said, all the teams in the NFL can take a lead from the Raiders the way they treat their former players. And uh, it, it's genuine, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how else to, to say it. You know, they, the other players, the other legends, you saw that when they came into that, that place at Canton at the, the golf course when we were having the party. Other teams' legends came in to hang out with the Raider guys. You know, Jim Kelly, Franco Harris, they were around. Yeah. Andre Reed. You know, all these all these guys came in to you know to see what was going on with the Raider party because they knew that they had the party. <laughs> they had the big one, my friend. I'm going to run. I will see you all this weekend. You're going to be a part of this. Look forward to hanging with you. Thanks for coming on as always. All right, JT. Always a pleasure, sir. Johnny Katz from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Now I get a chance to bring up former Olympic gold medal winner and former heavyweight champion of the world, Ray Mercer, who's in town. Merciless Ray Mercer. Ray, how are you? Thanks for coming on. Oh, man, it's a pleasure being here, man, and being on the show, man. I'm looking forward to everything that this induction uh, encounters that I'm getting. It's lovely. Yeah, and it's a tremendous honor. The Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame does such a big job because they bring in a whole bunch of you guys, legends, all in one. So not only are you going to have this induction, but you're going to be around so many friends, so many people that you competed in the the ring and with and against. So it's got to make you feel good that you're going to be around so many of your peers. It really does. I mean, Kennedy McKinney, he was, he was my Olympic teammate. He got gold medal. You know, it's gonna, it's James Tony. I mean, it's just, mm. it's just it, uh, Vince Phillips. It's, it's just amazing, man, that we all getting in at the same time. I, I don't even feel like I really deserve this, man. But them guys, they, they really deserve it, man. Them, them two fighters. That's very humbling I'm glad of you. Going in with some, some guys like that, man. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. Hey, Ray, what was it like to get the gold medal put around your neck at the Olympics and win a gold medal in boxing? I mean, Ali did it in 1960, all the other legends. When you think back about that, what was your highlight? What was the highlight of that memory? Oh, man, just representing up there on the podium, man, representing the United States of America while I'm in the Army. Yeah. You know, it was just a dream of mine, man, and it was all coming true. I just couldn't believe it, man. I worked real hard for it, and I got it, and I was happy. Ray Mercer's our guest. You know, Ray, I'm looking at your bio and being a military kid and then going into the military and having this opportunity. That That's such a great American story about traveling internationally and being a kid and then being a young adult and picking up the sport. What was the difference that guided you to the military and boxing at the same time? Well, the, the, well, I knew, I knew I only watched boxing. I didn't, I didn't want to box or anything, but I joined the Army. In, in 83, and and then, you know, two years later, I'm stationed over in Germany, and the guy asked me to be a sparring partner. And it took off from there. I made the I made the post guy quit in, in two months, and I went on to win 13 fights without losing, you know. So the Army, I was just being all I can be. 
Yeah, you were the but, armed but I was gonna go in, I was going to join the army because of the life that my father had showed us, traveling and everything. Ray Mercer is our guest. Ray, as a heavyweight champion, uh, the beating that you gave to Tommy Morrison, uh, looking back, the fight against Larry Holmes, Holyfield, uh, the Lennox Lewis fight, which you were at your best going up against one of the best. When you look back at your entire professional boxing career, the highs, there weren't many lows because you were a great competitor there. How do you sum up, and I have your bio in front of me, but how do you sum up personally your professional boxing career and the pinnacle of being the heavyweight champ? Well, you know, I, I, uh, my, my, my biggest dream was to win a gold medal, man. And that was my dream, my honor, and everything. So when I was a pro, I could have trained a whole lot harder. If I would have trained like I did for the Olympics and the pros, I'd have been like eight-time world champion. Mm-hmm. But, but I didn't do that, man. I, I, it was almost like I was still celebrating winning a gold medal. Wow. So I, I, didn't, I didn't train as hard as I was supposed to train, man. And then looking back on that, I wish I would have trained harder you know that's very interesting let me stop let me yeah let me stop you there for a second there's a lot of people that say that when when you become a pro and you win a belt and the money and the lifestyle and you get treated you walk into every room how difficult is it to train at that level and stay at that level listen like i said man i was in the army i was 23 years old boxing was not in my cards you know what I'm saying? So, like I said, gold medal was fine. I mean, the money was nice and everything, but I got to be honest. I, I, I partied as a, as, a, as a professional. I partied as a professional. And that's, and that's, that's where I think I, I could have, you know, I could have been better, man. I could have been better. And I, and I tell everybody else out there, too, the same thing. You know, you have your dream for your gold medal and your dream for the heavyweight championship of the world, but you got to train hard because you are a champion. And you're making that money, just like you said. Well, I'll tell you, this is a big event. I was a part of the first one, and I've been to several of these banquets. You are going to be blown away about your induction into the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. They have it at Resorts World. I know you're there and you know about that. So you're staying at a five-star resort. So, Ray, I appreciate you doing this. I know you've been buried here with uh, other commitments. Thanks for coming on and enjoy this. Really enjoy this great moment in your career. You deserve it. This is the best one ever for me right here. Wow. Couldn't be better. Take care, sir. But Take thank care. you, man. I, and I thank you for putting up with my attitude and everything. <laughs> and I, I see you again. I'll talk to you. Call me anytime. You got it. Ray Mercer. Merciless Ray Mercer. Man. <laughs> Let me tell you how badass he was. And again, I wasn't expecting to interview him and him saying to the point where I didn't train hard enough because the, the beating that he gave Tommy Morrison, but I, I wanted to spend most of the time talking about his Olympic gold medal. And it seemed like, seems like that's what he wanted to talk about, too. Really, you know, when I do these interviews, sometimes it takes me a day or 10 minutes to reflect about it. And one of the things about this gentleman is that he's at a point in his life now where he appreciates the fact that he's going to have this moment. He's going to have this induction into the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. And he had some ups and downs, and he should have trained harder, but... I would have no problem walking around the rest of my life saying that I won the Olympic gold medal as heavyweight for boxing. Uh, that'd be pretty good for me. And I was the heavyweight champion of the world, and I fought Evander Holyfield and Lennox Lewis and lost. But in the Lennox Lewis fight, people thought I had a chance to win. We judge everybody by their record in life. Everybody gets judged. And Ray Mercer had 44 fights, won 36, 26 by knockouts, and had seven losses. But think of all the boxers who didn't have an opportunity to fight 
Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield. And he was in that ring there, and people gave him a shot. All right, 702-365-9200. Levi Edwards is going to join us momentarily. We're going to talk to him from the Raiders. His training camp notebook has really been a big assist for me every day as he's out there at practice. He's there in the building, and he's been able to give me a couple of cheat sheets to get me up to date for the broadcast. So I really appreciate that. And uh, we're going to have more of our coverage tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow I'll be on here for two hours, and then I'll do the pregame show for two hours at the stadium. So if you're coming into the game, come to the torch and have an opportunity to sit down with us. And we'll do that. And wait till you see who we have at the torch tomorrow. Can't give that away. Levi Edwards, kind enough to join us, a digital reporter for the Raiders. What he's been doing with his training camp notebook, I really appreciate it. So, Levi, you know this by now. You saw Vinny's column today on the cover with Leatherwood. Uh, You're talking about it, writing about it. Uh, What's the decision coming up here, in your opinion? What's it about with Leatherwood making the team, making it as a backup, or maybe not being here next week? I'm not going to go into. I'm not going to go into speculation about whether or not he'll get traded or cut. Um, Right now, he's still on the team, and that's how I see it. I feel like, you know, I'm not a GM. I'm not a coach. I don't make those decisions. Just from my own perspective alone, I feel as if it would be foolish to let go of somebody that was just taken in the first round that's still trying to figure things out for Mm -hmm. themselves still try to figure things out uh on the team in their own career you've just seen so many guys that have come into the league and have had huge expectations and even though they didn't get it after you know year one or year two uh, they eventually did get it to have productive careers. Everybody just goes on their own time frame. You look at a lot of the other guys on this roster, uh, and honestly, their careers in a in a way parallel to what Leatherwood is going through, where you had Colton Miller, mm-hmm. who was a first-round pick and dealt with injuries his rookie year, and people thought he was going to be a bust. You had Andre James, who was an undrafted guy who had to sit his turn behind Rodney Hudson for a while, and people – didn't think he'd be able to acclimate to being center, especially not even playing center in college. He was a guard. Mm -hmm. And then uh, now even Lester Cotton, a guy that was on the practice squad, got cut, brought back, and hasn't really truly had any regular season game action up to this point. And now he's going to potentially be the starting guard. So you look at everybody's journeys and what they have to go through to get to a level of success and, Leatherwood is still trying to figure out for himself, and uh, I hope he does, uh, and I hope it's for the Raiders. Levi Edwards joins us. Nicely said. Very mature comments from you because you're right. He's on the team. We treat him like he's on the team. We hope he makes the team and matures and becomes a better player. You spent a lot of time also with Patriots Media on podcast and talking to them about the performance of the Patriots against the Raiders. It seems like the Raiders dominated day one of the joint practice. Patriots were a little bit better in day two. What did you notice? What were some of your big takeaways on how the Raiders peaked and performed in those joint practices? I don't want to use the word dominated. Just, of course, uh, just be respectful to the Patriots, of course, and they came out and they did some good things as well towards the end of practice. I will definitely say this. Uh, the Raiders looked – it's kind of weird to say this just mm-hmm. because we're 3-0 in preseason and I like what I've seen in practice, but 
just from these two practices against the Patriots, it made me realize how special this Raiders team really could be because you had to deal with the fact that you saw another team come in and they're giving their heart, you know, they're giving their best. And the Raiders just looked very well when you saw their starting unit and the guys that they plan on being their starting unit when they went up against theirs, they just looked like a far superior team. And I, like I said, I'm not trying to talk trash or mm-hmm. get out of pocket. I'm just saying that the Raiders did look like the better team throughout the week on offense and defense and in special teams. It was just a very good collective effort. What I saw with Derek Carr and the way that he was shredding the Patriots defense with Devontae and Hunter Renfro and even on that second day with Matt Collins, it made me realize that with just the right amount of sufficient blocking for this Raiders offensive line, this Raiders offense could be lethal. This could be a top five offense in the, in the NFL. And like I said, it's, it's too early to look forward to expectations like that. But I, I got to see a glimpse of it. It started to really make sense to me. When you're going up against the same guys every day, you just expect the same. And it, it's not, you know, there's some things that impress you, but mm-hmm. you start to realize how to play guys after a while. And for these guys to come in uh, fresh, not really having any experience against the Raiders, they they realized uh, how lethal they could be as well, real quick. Levi Edwards, as we wrap it up, training camp notebook on August 24th, day two of joint practices. It's right up there at Raiders.com. Very detailed uh, column you must read here and give him a follow. So what should we expect tomorrow night? As I'm hosting the pregame show, I don't know who's going to play. It's not like a regular season game. We get the inactives. We're sitting there ready to know who's going to play. You said there is a lot at stake, as I read your column, because there are guys trying to make the team for the Patriots and the Raiders, even though we have a general idea of the stars for the silver and black. You think it's going to be pretty intense out there, Belichick versus Josh McDaniels and these players getting after it in a really rabid... I think the environment's going to be amazing tomorrow night with all the Raiders alumni and the size of the crowd. How do you see it? Well, for one, I think it is going to be a really good crowd, uh, especially what I saw against Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Uh, It started to pick up uh, after a while, and there's a lot of people there and with the alumni there. Also, it being a preseason, so the tickets uh, might be a little less expensive than it would during a regular season uh, primetime showdown. So, of course, there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be interested in coming to the stadium and seeing the Raiders play for a little bit of a less expensive price, especially against a uh, premier team like the Patriots with a premier coaching staff like Bill Belichick, Matt Jones, who's a pro bowler, even though I'm, I'm not exactly sure if he's going to play or not. But going back to the original question, JT, there is a lot at stake for a lot of these guys that are going to be fighting for, you know, that 54th, you know, for that 53rd, 52nd, 51st spots on the roster. You have a lot of guys that kind of have are established that are going to be on this roster. But I would say, you know, there's a whole, you know, 10, nine spots that are still up for the taking that people got to go earn mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. You have a loaded running back room for the Raiders with about five guys right now. And honestly, the way that these guys have looked in the preseason and just went throughout practice between Jacobs and Bolden and Zamir White, Britton Brown, Austin Walter, like these, none of those, none of those guys are really warranted getting cut just by how they played. So you've got Mm -hmm. to look at that. And also there's a starting wideout position to still be outside of Devante. And even though a lot of people are saying, okay, Matt Collins is going to be the guy I wouldn't put that away yet 
Matt Collins still has one more game to show that he deserves that spot over Keelan Cole and over Tyron Johnson, who, in my opinion, the separation between the three in terms of talent and ability have been very, very close Mm -hmm. throughout training camp, a lot closer than what people think. So you have that offensive line, of course. We were just talking about the offensive line, and I was on another show where they were asking me about the offensive line, and I told them, uh, this, and I'm going to tell you the same thing, JT. Josh McDaniels is going to put the best five guys who can block on the field week one. Uh, and, and people are just so concerned with positions about, okay, well, this guy is supposed to be a center. This guy is supposed to play guard. This guy is supposed to be a tackle. They go off of what they see on the team website when they go to Raiders.com and they see what position these guys play. Throw positions out the window they are going to put out the best five guys who can block because that's what you have to do when you're going up against Khalil Mack and, and Joe, Joey Bosa week one. you got to put the best five out there. So Absolutely. There's a lot of question marks to still be answered, even though this is the last preseason game. You're not going to see the, the big headline guys, but there's going to be a lot of guys still busting their hump to make this roster. Great, Levi. You're always good. Great job this entire training camp. Bravo. I'll see you out at the torch tomorrow. Thanks for doing this. Most definitely. Thank you, JT. Thank you for having me. You got it. Digital reporter for the Raiders. Remember, this season, Canes is feeding football fans and serving the community by partnering with more than 30,000 local organizations. Be prepared for kickoff with Raisin Canes, hand-battered, cooked-to-order chicken fingers, and that craveable cane sauce. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, proud partner of the UNLV Rebels One Love. JT will wrap it up, throw some cold water on my face. Wow, that was a wild 35 minutes of radio. Failure is putting a label on something that's not the process. So, like you just said, we're just trying to focus on the process and not the result. And failure would be considered a result. So, we're just trying to work through it all. And you know, we don't need to overcomplicate it. Football and it's a simple game if you if you make it a simple game. So, we're all trying to get there. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight. That's Mac Jones, who's the quarterback of the New England Patriots, and he gets the raw end of the deal bad. Because Josh McDaniels leaves. He loses Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator and his tutor for the next couple of years. And and Josh is the best of the best of that. That's why he's the head coach of the Raiders. And Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, they don't have someone at the level of Josh McDaniels to teach that quarterback to mature and be better. And I thought Mac Jones did really good last year. He did better than Trevor Lawrence, who was taken number one overall. He did better than Zach Wilson. That was a pretty good pick. But it seems like the Patriots are a little bit shaky with their offense so far. And we'll get a chance to see them tomorrow. Thanks to Bobby. Thanks to all of our guests. Appreciate everybody for listening. It was a wild ride today, man. I don't want to do that again, Bobby. I want to know when guys are on, when they're not on. Line them up. Thanks to Johnny Katz, Ray Mercer, Levi Edward, Lee Sterling, Jay Richardson. Wow. I mean, come on. So there we go. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Tonight, I help the Raiders kick off their alumni weekend. And you'll see me tomorrow at the Torch. Remember what I said? Someone print up a T-shirt for me. I'll pay for it. Meet me at the Torch. 
That's where I want you to see me on game day. Meet me at the torch for the pregame show with Eric Allen.